Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, we have some really extraordinary readings today for Mass. The first one is taken from the book of Genesis, and it's deeply mysterious. It's intrigued Christian writers and thinkers and artists up and down the centuries. Listen how it begins. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the terebinth of Mamre as he sat in the entrance of his tent while the day was growing hot. Looking up, he saw three men coming toward him. Hmm. Abraham is visited by three men, and it's identified as a vision of God. It's a theophany. God has come to visit him. But he appears, as it were, in this form of three men. Then listen as it goes on. Abraham says, Sir, if I may ask you this favor. And then he goes on. So Abraham's addressing these three figures as one. This little story, this odd little detail, was seen as a foreshadowing of the doctrine of the Trinity. That God remaining one is nevertheless in three persons. Well, for our purposes today, it's important just to see that for Abraham, this is an experience of God. God has broken into his world, into his awareness. What does he do? Well, he engages in a frenzy of hospitality. It's great as the story is told. He bathes their feet. He brings them a little refreshment. Then he has his wife make cakes, has his servant kill the finest calf, and finally, as they eat, he personally waits on them. Well, to some degree, we're seeing here something which was deeply prized in the biblical culture. Hospitality. It was a sign of, of great dignity and moral excellence to receive people generously and with great hospitality. You know, of course, in the culture of that time and place, it was often a matter of life and death. Someone came to you, well, giving them hospitality, that might save them. So we are seeing that. We're seeing this beautiful ancient Middle Eastern hospitality. But there's more to it. We're seeing the proper reaction to the arrival of God in one's life. What I mean is, Abraham drops everything and focuses on God. Abraham sets everything else aside and says, this is now the focus of my attention. His eyes are riveted on God. His attention is riveted to God. This is the proper reaction when God breaks into our lives. Now, there's a kind of payoff. One of the men says, where is your wife? He says, I'll return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will then have a son. Now keep in mind, this is when Abraham and Sarah are both very old. This is a very unlikely scenario. But Abraham receives this word. 
What's the implication? When you are focused on God, your attention is riveted to God, that has a way of redounding to the benefit of all other areas of your life. In this case, Abraham's family life, his personal life, is enhanced. Quite right. When God's the center of your attention, it redounds to the benefit of all other areas of your life. Now, this story from Genesis is meant to illumine our gospel for today, which is the well-known story of Martha and Mary. You know, I think I've told you before, when I've preached on this story or given talks on it, it inspires a lot of strong feelings and strong reactions. A lot of people feel that Martha gets short shrift in this story. A lot of people feel roused to defend Martha. Of course, we know the story well. Jesus comes to the home of Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus. Martha is busy, it says, with all the details of hospitality. Mary sits at the feet of the Lord and listens to his word, and Mary is praised. Now, it should be clear from our first reading that the problem is not hospitality. Hospitality is a great thing, much prized, good, loved by God, nothing wrong with it. The problem is not Martha's hospitality, nor is the problem Martha's activity. This is not a condemnation of the active life in favor of the contemplative life. I don't think that's what the story is about. What is being criticized and what is being praised? I put it this way. What's being criticized is the fact that Martha's mind and soul are split and divided. Where Mary's soul is focused on the one. This is a spiritual story about the problem of the one and the many. What does the Lord say to Martha? Not, oh Martha, Martha, stop being so hospitable. Martha, Martha, stop being so active. That's not what he says. What he says is, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and upset about many things. The many things, many things. Christians, we're all preoccupied in the course of our lives with many things. You know? Like today I woke up and I, I had to teach class at 825, so I was preoccupied with my uh, course preparation, looking at my notes. I then got to class and I taught for an hour and a half. Got back to my room, I was preoccupied with a paper I have to write that I have to deliver in August. Then I realized about 11.30 that I was taping these homilies today. So I took all my notes out and began fussing with those. Then I got hungry. I went to lunch. I was preoccupied with that. I got back, continued working on these notes. Then at 3 o'clock or 3.30, I come here to record these homilies. This evening, I'm going to be preoccupied with my notes for class tomorrow. Okay, that's my life. That's my preoccupations. You could tell the same story, a similar story, listing all the things that you're worried about. What's the danger? The danger for all of us is Martha's danger that we will become anxious and upset about the many things. Preoccupied with all the things we have to do. Preoccupied with all of the various duties that we have. Listen now. 
without attending to the one great thing that stands behind all of them, the one great thing for which all of those things exist? What has Mary chosen? Not the contemplative life, so to speak. The Lord says, she's chosen the unum necessarium, the one thing necessary. When God appeared to Abraham, Abraham dropped everything. He attended to God. When God comes into this home, Jesus comes into the home of Martha and Mary. Martha's problem is she doesn't fix her attention on him, but she fusses, fusses, fusses about the many things. Mary has the right spiritual judgment, the right spiritual attitude, because she becomes riveted on him. You know a parallel story? is the story of Peter walking on the water. Come, says the Lord, come on the water. And Peter, as long as he's looking at Christ, walks on it. When he looks away at the many things around him, the many dangers, the wind and the waves and the darkness, his own fear, when he looks at those, he begins to sink. As long as he's riveted on Christ, he finds his way. So here. So here. Mary's chosen the unum necessarium. And in choosing that, she has found the one great thing which will make sense of the whole of her life. Listen, that will enable her to understand the relationship among all her many concerns. That will allow her to do all those things with a sense of peace and purpose. That's why the Lord praises her. Something St. Augustine said that's always fascinated me, always moved me. I'll say it, first of all, in his Latin. He said, Amadeum et facodvis. That means, love God, and then do what you want. Love God, and then do what you want. Now, is that a license for doing whatever you feel like? No. Listen again. Love God. That means fix the attention of your soul on the unum necessarium. Rivet the eyes of your soul on God. Then your life will be ordered in such a way that whatever you want will be good. Will be in accord with God's deepest purposes and God's deepest designs. Think of this as a test. Whatever you're doing, the many things, your duties, responsibilities, cares, preoccupations, as you're doing them, can you honestly say, this is in accord with what God wants? Oh, that's a tough test. And that's a test Augustine gives you. Amadeum et facquad vis. Love God and then do what you want. So what am I doing right now? Is it connected to the designs and purposes of God. You know, I've often told you that God is not one being among many. And so there's you and me, and there's the chapel here, and then there's the sky, and there's the trees, and then there's God. No, no, God's not one being among many. God is that 
sheer act of being itself, which is here and now giving rise to all that exists. That means that God is not one interest among many. So I'm interested in my class this morning, these sermons, God, dinner. (laughs) Well, no, God's not one interest among many. God is the great single interest of my life in terms of which all the other interests hang together and make sense. This is why the Lord praises Mary. This is why the author of Genesis praises Abraham as he rivets his attention on God. Let me just close with a couple of very short recommendations. How do we cultivate this attitude, this attitude of Mary? Prayer. I spoke of it last week. Prayer. I'll speak of it again next week. Prayer. It just means attending to God. Why do people's lives become unfocused, disparate, confused when they stop praying? Because they've lost touch with the unum necessarium. That's what prayer means. Second suggestion, wear some sign of your faith on your clothes, on your person. To remind yourself of God who centers and orders your life. Last suggestion, keep the name of God often on your lips. Someone says, how are you doing? I tend to say now it's almost a habit. Fine, thank God. That's good. It's a reminder. It's a reminder. My health right now is a gift from God. Sure it is. Keep the name of God in your ordinary conversation. Reminding yourself by that habit that God stands behind all things. God unites all things. All preoccupations and interests are for the sake of God. Christians, that's how the unum necessarium becomes the focus of your spiritual attention. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Puzzled by school meal programs? Let FSP help you put the pieces together. How? FSP offers healthy, student-tested breakfast, lunch, and snack plans, fresh from our kitchens each day. Quality, service, affordability, that's what FSP has offered since 1970. To take advantage of this program, call us at 773-385-5103. FSP, we're more than a school food service.